That a year so with true. Jesus, though. What's the genesis of all this year with Jesus? What are we talking about? Teddy. <laughs> I, Teddy. I would call it Jesus. <laughs> right. So, so here's the bigger picture. We, as a pastoral team, decided we were all going to preach the same texts. And uh, we've been preaching from the lectionary. And when you start to look at the bigger picture of the lectionary, you have these opportunities to preach these big, long series that stay in one place. And so we, since July, have all been preaching from the prophets, and it has been delightful. But uh, now we're That's moving That's one way into, to describe right? it. <laughs> and, and so we said the Gospel of Matthew. It begins in Advent mm-hmm. 2019. And the lectionary text pretty much all the way until Advent 2020 are going to be Matthew with a few breaks into John and some other places. And we said, let's just take a whole year and focus on uh, watching Jesus' life, hearing Jesus' words, and hear these texts over and over. So we'll have a year with Jesus about every four years is what the, the thing is saying, right? We're going we're gonna to be intentional about not just sticking with one type of text or one type of preaching. We're going to kind of get a whole big picture of scripture. And this just happens to be a year where we're in the gospel text for the year is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. That's the bigger picture. This is part of a, a 12 year plan that we're embarking on, uh, at, that would have us do the same in Mark and then later in Luke. So if we're diving into this, what, what can we expect from a year with Jesus, a year in the gospel of Matthew, especially M- Matthew is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think I've said that a lot. I, I love Matthew. I've done more studying in Matthew over my uh, over the course of my ministry than I think anything else. And I love that it's uh, it's sort of like Mark, and that it's kind of fast paced. And because my, a lot of Matthew came from Mark, he just throws that out there like that's a. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing statement. Not a Matthew came from Mark. We will get to talking about oh, we will. Uh, the reception did, of the did, Gospels did, later did on. Did I jump the, the gun? No. I, oh, okay. You, you're doing you. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, but I love Matthew. <laughs> okay. I love Matthew. I love the completeness of the story. I love the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. I think if you had to have three chapters anywhere that you're like cut out of your Bible, and if you're stuck on a deserted island... I mean, I think those are the ones that you take with you. What are y'all looking forward to with this year with Jesus, especially a year in the Gospel of Matthew? Now Carol has the deer in the headlight looks. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think think something that I've really appreciated, and as I've had conversations with people across our three campuses, is, is the fact that we are preaching from the same text and um, and and to hear conversations about what is happening within that in each of the campuses is exciting and and with this not only will you be hearing a sermon you're going to be getting um, a devotional guide and and ways to go deeper and so as as First United Methodist Church of Lexington seen through downtown offerings in Andover we have this opportunity to really look at Jesus' life, as you said, Teddy. And and if there's somebody we're going to model their life, it should be Jesus. And so we have this opportunity to do that. And and that excites me. And I think um, we regularly may read a passage and move on, but with this year, we're going to know the story. We're going to know the story through the Gospel of Matthew. And we are going to spend time memorizing part of it. We're going to spend time um, 
really examining what that means for us today and and that the gospel is speaking, the word is speaking, and so we need to be listening. You, Teddy? To me, this is who the church is. The, the church is this people who are telling this story of the second person of the Trinity taking on flesh and coming into the world. And this is how the church starts, is these people getting together and telling this story to each other and proclaiming it to the world around them and so immersed in it. This is what our New Testament is. The Gospels are that account as people told it in all of their different ways. And then everything else in the New Testament is really a reflection on that. It's people trying to figure out what exactly does this mean? And and God really using them to announce to the world, here's what's just happened in Christ. Mm-hmm. So the the birth of the church is because of Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. And I, I think it's, I know it's what still constitutes us. Mm-hmm. And for us to immerse ourselves in it, like Todd said, just a year, like, the, the reality is this is our life. Mm-hmm. This is what we do, and I'm excited to specifically sit down in one piece of it and really be immersed in it for a year. I find it fitting. Todd, Todd talks about the, the study and the intellectual pursuit and the ways in which that has formed him. Carol immediately goes into spiritual formation and the ways in which we can uh, use these disciplines to engage in the story, and Teddy helps us think really through a pastoral theology of what's, uh, why he's excited about the gospel. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping in uh, six months into preaching weekly, coming off of six months of prophets. And, and for me, it's exciting to come off of that into a year with Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, to really have, as someone who loves the Old Testament and loves uh, the way it sets us up for the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, to have had these prophets pointing us uh, to what is to come and then to launch in with that lens of expectation for uh, the incarnation, and not uh, maybe what our culture tells us the gospel is. You know, we, we think of the gospel as uh, the type of genre, but really gospel is so much more. If if we were going to talk about what the gospel is, uh, what would y'all, uh, if someone at North Lyme said, hey, hey, Carol, what's the gospel? Of course, you came to me first. <laughs> Teddy's the one who's North Lyme. <laughs> um, I actually, before coming over here, just Googled what is gospel online. And um, one of the things that it said was that it is what we follow, the, the, no holds. This is what we are willing to say. This is what I believe, period. And um, and I think that's it. I mean, we have the gospel, the good news um, in the texts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it, just reading it, does it, that's not what transforms us. Um, and so we need to know it. We need to be able to breathe it and live it and dwell in it so that it completely influences everything we do. Todd, if you're at the Panera. <laughs> old school. Old school. I'm, he I'm is off. 100% hey, Panera's old dead to you. <laughs> Panera's not dead to me. I still like Panera, we like but Panera. Yeah. We're, we're on to old school. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's with right with your cardboard street. straw? With my, no, I don't do straws. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> We have to edit that out, don't we? Yeah. We didn't make it 10 minutes before we have to edit something else. I don't know. We have to edit that out. I'm planning on leaving it. Okay. That's good. What was your question? What is gospel? What, if someone gospel asked what if you're talking. I, I think what is gospel, who is gospel, I think is a really important question to, to answer and to, and to ask. Because 
a lot of times we think, oh, gospel, that's Jesus. And absolutely, that the answer is yes. But if it's good news, and if it's kind of comes from this message, we see gospel contained in all sorts of people throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I mean, Matthew's filled with not only people who get it right, but people who absolutely have gotten it wrong, and Jesus invited them to try it over. Yeah. And they, they've embodied the good news. I mean, it's, it's not just a... It's not just a book to them. It, it's, a, it's a reality that's transformed them. Yeah. And that's such a different f- form of saying gospel than to say this is just an announcement. Like, it, it's embodied announcement, right? It, it's that, that great promise actually experienced and lived out. Yeah. That's a great second piece to understanding this. Because we, we acknowledge it as news. Like good news and a promise, but then yeah, gospel received becomes gospel embodied, mm-hmm. uh, and it is embodied in such a such a rich way that it took foretellings, which I love that too. That it's not the gospel meets us right where we all are. It's not this, when, and more than foretellings. I mean, we yeah. I don't, I'm not sure we'd understand gospel without Acts and the epistles and, re, and right. really the Revelation, right? Yeah. I mean. Uh, so even separating gospel as genre versus gospel mm-hmm. as embodied content or, or however we want to talk about it, because um, it is so much more than the Romans road, right? I mean, most of my life, that's what gospel was, is uh, you're a wretched sinner. There's a big gap between you and God, and Jesus died. Like that, let's, let's go share the gospel is how it was told to me, and, and you could get it down to a tract, and there's plenty of good that's come from that, but it, it always left me lacking and uh, feeling... There was something more. Yeah. So then why do we call these, the, these four, Matthew, Mark, mm. Luke, John, why do we call them the Gospels? Because that's where Jesus is introduced. Mm. Well, actually, Jesus is introduced long before that in the Old Testament through the prophecy. But the incarnation, is that where? I don't know. I'm asking a question now. <laughs> yeah. When our, our oldest manuscripts, it's, it's a label, uh, kata yongelion, uh, kata markan, according to, according to Mark, the good news, uh, according to Mark, that mm. uh, this is how we're going to name what's coming. And so uh, announcing at the very beginning, uh, this is what this is. This is the good news. Um, and so it, it's the full containment of the good news, right? Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, and yeah, I've, over the last couple of years, been really wrestling with uh, if I had to put gospel into a definition. Uh, and some people have been pushing uh, uh, towards this idea that gospel uh, is more than just the Passion Week, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's so easy to fall into. Um, and uh, especially uh, N.T. Wright and Scott McKnight have been pushing us to think about gospel in terms of its uh, broader implications in the story of Israel. Uh, N.T. Uh, Scott McKnight says that uh, the his definition of the gospel is that Jesus is the perfect end of Israel's story, uh, that uh, in his uh, incarnation, in his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, ascension, he is the perfect end to all that had happened in Israel's story. <clears throat> and that's so different for me than, um, you know, he died for my sins. That's absolutely contained in that definition, right? Uh, but it, it, it surely makes the first 80% of the Bible uh, have a different weight to it, at least for me, Right. Uh, is that something y'all have heard? Is that something... Uh, how, how do y'all connect Old Testament to gospel? How do you connect those things together? So we've been 
preaching Old Testament for a long time right now. And uh, I think one of the things as we talk about gospel that I'm thinking about is this is this must be what we do every Sunday when we preach. If we're not preaching the gospel, it's not a sermon. It's something totally different. It might be a nice Bible study or some good self-help, but it, it's not the gospel. Uh, and and Carol, for you to say that the gospels are because this is where we see the narrative of Christ. Yeah. Then then what are we doing in Jeremiah? I, I think all of it is preparing us. All of it is looking toward Christ. It's it's why we can come to communion at the end of any of these yeah. sermons at the end of Jeremiah and, and ultimately proclaim Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And if, if we don't have that, it's not yet good news. Well, and I mean, Chad, you said we've been preaching through the prophets and here we are going to see the fulfillment of the role of prophet in Jesus. Yeah. And, and so there is still, there is still that, that action, that role of the prophet that we will see lived out as we spend this year with Jesus and as we see, I mean, we will still hear those stories, those stories that we've heard through this whole time in the Old Testament as we look at what Jesus teaches. What he knew were the Old Testament scriptures. And so as he taught, that's that's what we had. Mm-hmm. And we will hear that again and again and get to see it being fulfilled through his life. And that's exciting. And so one of the things we've joked about is nine weeks in Jeremiah. <laughs> Thank you. mean nine years? Yeah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. We're having a year with Jesus. Like we finally get, get some of this. And I think part of what we're going to find is, I mean, I've even maybe created some false hope that now everything's going to get really easy. Okay. Much lighter. I, I think the reality you see here is that the life of Jesus is very much a, it's a continuation of what we've seen. This is no brand new God contradicting the old God of the old Testament. This is, mm-hmm. this is God fulfilling, uh, the law. This is Christ coming and, uh, helping us to make sense of all that we've seen come before him mm. and, uh, and redeeming us and redeeming that bigger narrative. So, yeah. so, so brace yourselves if, <laughs> if you think it's about to get really easy. It, it's going to be really good, but that doesn't mean everything just becomes gentle. Well, and I think... Who told you to repent, you brood of vipers? <laughs> John the Baptist <laughs> in our presence. Hebrews ten eleven. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form of these realities, I love this idea of, of the shadow because you don't get it. You have to have the reality to get the shadow, and and it's a reflection, and yet it's not crystallized yet. But it definitely is an indication that there's something really close and near, and that there's something happening. And and for me, the Old Testament. I hate to say shadow alone, but I think shadow is a really good description for me about it is a shadow of this good news that is already on on the way. And, um, yeah. I love that you went to Hebrews because after Matthew, to me, that's, that's my second favorite book. It's this mm-hmm. uh, book that calls us into uh, kind of saying, if you don't understand these Old Testament things, you don't understand Jesus. You don't understand God. Uh, you, you've heard Moses, man, look at, look at God. You've heard Joshua, look at Jesus. You've heard Melchizedek, look at Jesus. You've heard these Hall of Fame of Hebrews look at Jesus and, and kind of not discounting them, but saying, as great as these were, meet God in flesh. 
Um, and to me, that's a much, much more robust picture of God than, um, you know, that was Old Testament. This is New Testament. Mm-hmm. He died for our sins. Let's have a good day. Uh, that's a God I can get really excited about following and making Lord of my life and letting uh, kind of do these things that Carol invited us to earlier. It's the being transformed this, uh, this much more. It's a, a thing I can get behind. Matthew specifically seems to draw on the Old Testament uh, pretty heavily. Um, can y'all talk a little bit about uh, what we can expect kind of diving into this and maybe uh, some of the ways we're going to interact with that? But I think you're going to see clearly as we read and study and, and begin to embody Matthew is that Matthew is going to continually call us back to the Old Testament. It's going to say, see, it was said here, and here's where it actually became reality and 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 all of God's promises throughout the Old Testament are are not just promises in the air but they are realities that have happened. And for me that that's the power of, of Matthew it's like God can be trusted because if he said this back to x y or z in the Old Testament and it came true then surely that's the same thing for us. It's every other sentence in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, if you cut out the quotations, allusions, and uh, hints of Old Testament, you you have no Gospel of Matthew. Um, but as we've begun to prepare for Advent, it struck me how uh, it both tells us about God's faithfulness and that all this is fulfilled in Christ, but it also tells us about what it means to be a people who wait, who anticipate, who hope and desire. Because, I mean, we're, we're talking 500 years from the most recent of these promises. Uh, some of them were talking thousands of years uh, waiting for their fulfillment in Christ. And um, I don't think that fits maybe what I've always thought of the gospel and definitely not what I've thought about uh, our culture invites us to, right? Like we might have to sit, we might have to uh, wait for something. That's, that's Advent. That's Advent. <laughs> yeah. Did I just set us up for Advent and didn't mean to? <laughs> Did you <laughs> mean to do that? <laughs> I thought we were going to get there in a minute, but uh, it just struck me from the text Waiting, frame. But, yeah. So, I mean... T- Teddy, I think you should go ahead and just take that ball and run with it. Let's talk a little bit about Advent, especially since this is what's going to introduce us to our year with Jesus. We're coming uh, this week. We're coming off of Christ the King Sunday, where we've declared that uh, Christ reigns. Right. Uh, kind of this uh, great uh, end of the, the Christian year, and now we're diving into Advent this Sunday. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, Advent, because surely it's not uh, just getting ready for Buddy the Elf, right? It's there's something more happening in these I four weeks. I love Buddy the Elf. I used to hate What's it, but your Felsha, favorite color? Felsha has broken me into loving Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf is great. So. Candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. And syrup, yeah. the four First, major food groups. Absolutely. Teddy was, Sorry, Teddy. Teddy was gearing up to talk about Advent. Yeah, and then no, we just, you just <laughs> mentioned Buddy the Elf. You cannot mention Buddy the Elf and not I can't expect. wait for you to see my new Christmas sweatshirts for my family. I'm just going to throw so that Teddy, out. So, Teddy, talk about Advent a little bit. I just want to bring to light for people, whenever you may be listening to this, it is before Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're driving Teddy insane. And we insane. have two people on our pastoral team who are already watching Hallmark Christmas movies. Carol's watching them. I, am, I have not watched a Hallmark Christmas movie. You I have, have watched, watched a Christmas I have watched a Christmas movie. movie. Okay, everybody. And, and you've I, just and, lost... Some deal of respect for them. I come into my house and they have been on for like five hours. And I'm like, I love Melissa Nelson. If I want to meet a I have just set up a time continuity issue here where we we were on Christ the King week and you've now backed us up. So good. Yes. When you're listening, do you see what what happens when you are listening to this? When you celebrate Christmas too early. When you were listening to this podcast, 
We are in the week before Advent. We've just come off Christ the King, but we have recorded it back before Thanksgiving. So, Teddy, let's talk a little bit about what Advent let's is. Let's talk about Advent. So, <laughs> I, I used a quote a few weeks ago in a sermon that has uh, been lingering with me. Somebody who said, this is what the life of faith is. It's complaint and struggle on the one hand, and it's God's right timing on the other hand. And it's living in between the two of those. And I think there are at least a couple of important parts to that. And, and the first is just to acknowledge that we don't drop the complaint and struggle. That uh, the church has sometimes been accused, sometimes rightfully, of ignoring that there are any problems in the world. Of being a place that you have to walk in happy and joyful and we sing happy songs and that's it because everything is okay and how could everything not be okay if you have Jesus in your life? And... Uh, I think Advent is our season because it's the season that acknowledges that everything is not all right and it's okay for us to say it. Yes. And it's okay to claim that the life of faith awaits God's right timing and we do not deny the complaint and the struggle, but we also don't deny hope. We don't deny that God has his right timing and that God has promised uh, that he will redeem us and that he'll bring new creation and Advent is that sitting in between. Uh, o come, O come, Emmanuel. That is that is the Advent song, and I think it's the, the Christian life song in so many ways. Ransom captive Israel, who uh, mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And so we keep saying, you know, Christ will come again. But right now we live in the struggle. And I think the church needs to get more honest about that in times that we might try to treat everything as too happy um, in a season like this, when uh, depression uh, ramps up, when there are more suicides, I think the church needs to be a place that tells people you can come here and hold in one hand, the complaint and the struggle, and we're going to hold it with you. And we're going to also hold up in the other hand, God's right timing and hope. And, and I think that's Advent. And, and that's a sign of maturity to be able to live in a tension and not to have to feel like you've got to hit fast forward to get to the end and somehow force it. And, and, and that's, that's the temptation for this season. And we've been joking about buddy, the elf and everything else. And that's, but there is a temptation of let's get past the tough part and, and let's just get to the celebration and having grown up in a tradition that did not emphasize Advent or Lent, and, and my, my one-liner always is, for years, decades, I thought Lent was just the stuff that came out of the, out of the dryer. I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean, literally. And when I found out, oh, it's a church season, and what does it mean? And, and then all of a sudden, Advent. And what I found is that the deeper in my faith that I've gotten, Advent and seasons like Lent become like these, there's this like excitement in my heart about experiencing it and not just rushing to the, to the end and, and just having, you know, that, that, that joyful experience. And it just makes it that more, much more precious. And as the church, Advent's season comes to an end on Christmas morning, right? But Advent doesn't end because we are continually living in this tension until Christ returns. And so if on Christmas morning you're still struggling with that, the church is still there to walk with you 
we haven't put that to bed and said, okay, everything should be fine because Jesus was born. Um, because we still have those complaints and struggles and, and they continue throughout. And that is the tension we always live in, that we live in through Lent, that we live in through, even in Easter with the inauguration of Jesus has risen and and we're we are seeing that new creation is is beginning right i mean that is that is what that is in the garden jesus is risen but we still live because jesus has not returned for that final glory and so we continually live in that and advent advent is the season that we should focus on in the church so much so that people know because this is what life is like Listen to you, although it sounds like it requires a mature church, a church that's willing to let things not be pretty and being uh, always perfect and allow somebody to sit in their grief or their lamentation or their frustration or their disappointment. Uh, and that, that seems to me like a mature church thing, right? To, uh, to not push people to get past it, to not say, it's, it's okay, you'll be, you'll be fine, it's okay, to offer some pithy statement, um, but to, to sit embodied with somebody in that... Um, how do we as a church do that? I, I kept thinking it takes a church that trusts, that trusts in the hope that we, we know the good news. We know the story. And even when that doesn't feel like it's a part of our personal story right now, because the tension is so strong or the hurt is so strong to trust somewhere in there that stop it. <laughs> you smile at me and start crying. For those of you who uh, are tuning in on the audio version of this podcast, Carol's eyes are starting to water up as she thinks about the significance of uh, the love of God. Yeah. And uh, we would expect no less because of the way it, because uh, that's who Carol is. <laughs> yeah. And because the, the grand significance mm-hmm. of, uh, Christ has come and Christ will come again. Yeah. Um, we hold on to that hope. It, it, it's kind of the whole ball of wax, right? I mean, we get to be the next John the Baptist saying, prepare the way. Um, and whether it's in that season of, uh, of um, frustration and uh, uh, worry, or whether it's us going, look at how great our God is, and he's coming in his fullness, and look at what this is going to look like. Uh, our, our world needs more new creation. It needs to hear that story. I mean, it needs to hear that part of Advent that uh, we're not just holding out hope till these things kind of just uh, turn back to dust, right? We're holding out hope uh, for a kingdom to break in in its fullness that's just breaking in in pieces right now. We get a little taste of that on uh, paces around, but uh, we need the fullness of that proclamation. Am I am I getting Advent too far out today? Because I haven't read the books, but uh, that's part of the Advent I want to Well, but to you, you just mentioned John the Baptist saying, prepare ye the way, and yet we just came from reading a scripture where John the Baptist was saying, how do I know that he's the Messiah? Go and ask, send disciples to say, tell me who this person is. And he had doubts, and he had questions, hmm. even after saying, prepare the way, right? And so we all live in that, and... And we've been given examples to say it's okay to ask those questions and it's okay because God can handle our questions. Christ is right there ready to say, I will, I will walk through this tension with you because that's what I do.
But the story doesn't stop at Christmas, right? We we get the more. Um, what does it look like uh, to be a spirit-filled people in Advent? What's what's the role of the spirit in this season? I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who said the church, whatever else we should be, we should be the most honest place on earth. And I think an infilling of the spirit can make that happen in a way that might surprise some other people. So uh, in offerings for about two months now, we've been having testimony every week. And uh, I specifically, when I asked people to share testimony, I said, don't give us your conversion story unless that's what just happened and what you have to share. I want to know what has God been doing in your life in the last year or so? And some of that, it's it's kind of a challenge because it's like, oh, we is God doing something in our lives now? Not just that big grand story a few years ago, but what, what's God doing now? And that was really the only prompt. And it's been fascinating. You know, we've had nine or 10 of these, and I think probably 70% of them have been, here's been my struggle. Here's life has been hard. And here is where God has been in the midst of it. And these are people who I think would say, by the Spirit of God, I have, uh, I'm able to stand in front of you today and say, uh, God has carried me. But it hasn't always been easy. And I think to, uh, to talk about it in terms of Advent, uh, a Spirit-filled people can stand and say, God has carried us. I think that's even the other piece of holding all of this intention is, it's not that we are trying to fix our world or our lives. It's that we are holding this steady trust in God to carry us. It is such an acknowledgement of God's place and God's power and God's kind of plan when we do Advent well. When we don't do Advent well, when we, when we don't wait on the one who's to come, then we take our tensions and we take our mess and we, we exponentially make it worse. And, and I love that the witnesses and offerings are focusing on, on difficulties that God has taken them through and you get some distance from that and you see, oh, that's... And, and, the, the results of Advent are, if you do it in a community and do it well, they lead you to the Spirit. Just like Christ's Advent, there was a second Advent for the Holy Spirit. And he's like, don't go anywhere. Wait. Wait. And, and pray. And 120 of them did. And the Holy Spirit came and then boom. I mean, the whole thing changed dramatically. And, and in my mind, that, that's another great reminder of what Advent's all about. It's about community. It's about having trust that w- the promises of God will be fulfilled. And until they do, we can hang in together, whatever our circumstances are. And Todd preached to end over Sunday and was talking about uh, the uh, woeful state of the second temple and... Uh, he said something that has just stuck with me over and over. And he said uh, that the glory of the building wasn't in the building materials, but in the one who resides there. Uh, and uh, was getting at that uh, the temple didn't matter what it was made of. The silver was God's. The gold was God's. 
it was who who dwelled in the temple, and uh, it's it's got me thinking as the people who God dwells in through the power of the Spirit now, uh, that that that's where the glory shines is especially through the people of of mm-hmm. Christ through the church and. Uh, in the darkness, as we wait and, and we declare that Christ is coming, uh, I've been especially struck by what it means to be a people who's, who radiate the glory of God back. Right, we, we don't have our own glory to to shine, but uh, but give a glimmer of that which God has uh, filled filled us with. Um, and it just strikes me of what that might look like for us to spend this next year thinking: um, How can we radiate God's glory? How can we build, be a people who show uh, show people God's face? Uh, uh, at our staff meeting on Monday mornings, we've stopped doing a staff Bible study. Uh, you know, we, we get enough of those during the week, and we've started asking each other, um, where have you been struck by all of God this week? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, recognizing that if if we haven't been struck by all, it doesn't matter how many times we sit there and just mull over the text, right? If if God's not in and moving and active, if we're not, uh, and somebody's becoming a Pentecostal people, right? George Acevedo, uh, Methodists were Pentecostal before Pentecostal was cool, Um I'm finding that the more I recover that, the more I I personally get excited about what it means to be the church and uh, to wait, um, to celebrate that first coming and anticipate the coming again. Um, what what? Where do we go from here? We're we're launching people into a year with Jesus. We've uh, got this podcast. We've we've given them. We're handing them the book that uh, hopefully you all have in your hands right now. If not, see your community pa- pastor. Um, where do we go from here with a year with Jesus? Immerse yourself in it. Hmm. I just uh, we have some of this to to guide as possibility in that book that Chad mentioned. But immerse yourself in this. Read it over and over. Read it fast. Read it slow. Memorize little pieces. Listen to it. Listen. Pray through it. Uh, I, I'm convinced that just that kind of steady, constant encounter with with the life of Christ. And then encounter with Christ in in the gathered body, yes. at worship, and in the body of Christ at Eucharist, it changes us. And can I add a third place in some other room, whether it's a small group, a Sunday school, mm. a Bible study, or your friends giving around a table where you share the story? You know, uh, it's not enough for us to to receive it as individuals, but for us to uh, receive it in community and um, and tell one another where where we've been um, encountering the the God of the universe. Try it. Try Matthew. And try it again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's I think it's this wonderful book that uh, we, we see a life lived before us, whether it's Jesus, the disciples, or the women at the well, or the uh, guard at the cross. I mean, so many lives have been lived and so many things for us to follow in their footsteps and to try it. And, and what they found is that every time they stepped out, whether it was Peter out of the boat or whether it was something else, I don't think that's in Matthew, is it? Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's a gospel story. Okay, okay, somewhere in there. But they were met by God's grace. We hope you meet with God. We hope you encounter uh, God in flesh, and we want to journey with you in this. Uh, we've got the podcast back up. We've got these books. Uh, if there's another way we can support you in this journey over a year with Jesus, let us know. We, uh, we're we pretty committed to this. We think yes. it's pretty important. Uh, so talk to your campus pastor. Talk to uh, your family pastor. Talk to, to someone, and we will uh, we'll journey with you in this. Amen? Amen. 
You want to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel to close up? No. 